Let's do this. What's up, guys? Welcome to Uncle and the Young Bucks, the podcast. Uh, we are in hate week. My name's Drew. My name's Brandon. And you've got the Uncle Eric over here. How's so it going, what's going guys? on, guys? I'm, hey, going great, Drew. Brandon, what's going on? I just got a haircut, so I don't look like a homeless man anymore. That's a good start for my week. <laughs> you got a haircut. Well, I'm glad that just one hair. Just one hair. The other ones. Oh, my God. Quit I am here kid. for the dad jokes. <laughs> Jeez, oh, Showing so, your age. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> uh, so what have you guys done uh, since uh, the big victory this past weekend for the Brownies? Binge drinking, you know, just finally waking up from Sunday, you know, really, really been hitting the hitting the can hard. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it was a great weekend to celebrate. If you were a, a Browns and Buckeyes fan, uh, looking at the uh, the Brownies winning by 17 points at home, and not that it was against a, a fantastic Dolphins team, but you know, something to be excited about there. And uh, you know, I'm really excited about what the uh, Ohio State Buckeyes just were announced as the number one spot in the college football playoff race. So excited well, about hey, both of those since, things in a big alliance. Since you, uh, you brought it up and uh, last couple of podcasts, we talked predominantly Browns. Let's go ahead and talk about the Buckeyes for a second. Um, the, as you know, the rankings just came out, drew the Buckeyes are at number one LSU dropped to number two. I don't know if you really consider dropping when you stay in the top four, when it comes down to the college football playoff though, uh, then we have uh, Clemson at three, Georgia at four, Alabama five, and Utah. Uh, one of those sleepers hanging in there at six, and I think Oklahoma came in at seventh. Uh, Drew, what's your take? I was fully expecting that um, after Ohio State. You know, a lot of the the pushback after that game was that Ohio State was sloppy at times. I mean, yeah, they absolutely were, but they handled Penn State pretty easily in that game um and as as high as they had penn state rated last week um and the line on that game i was like pretty shocked um but i wasn't shocked at that result at all um like we've said for a while ohio state is the most complete team in college football and they continue to show that week in and week out um we very well could send two players to New York for the Heisman and should be the number one seed in the college football playoff. Yeah. Just a couple of weeks. Yeah, we probably should, but I think we've talked about it in the past where I think Justin Fields is going to get discounted only because we've been blowing these teams out and he never plays the second half. So he can't stat compile like other teams can with their quarterbacks and their position players. So, I it's don't funny you assumed you, I was talking about Justin Fields. Were you talking about J.K. Dobbins? Because you can actually say the same thing about Dobbins, Dobbins as well. Oh, absolutely. And if it's Young, I am referring to J.K. Okay, and if and if Chase Young goes, I'll be shocked if he wins, and it's right. only going to be because of the two-game suspension. Yep. Uh, I, I don't know if the NCAA and, and the Heisman Committee wants that – Black eye, I guess, if it was a black eye. I, I Honestly, God, I still don't think the kid did anything wrong. But, uh, no, I'm super excited about Lock the Buckeyes. Him Get him out of here. <laughs> super <laughs> excited about the Buckeyes. I mean, here they did play a top-10-ranked 
Penn State team, which just weeks ago was the number four team in the college playoff. Uh, they had that unfortunate loss, uh, which, which was a good game, by the way. I mean, it wasn't like it was a terrible game. They lost to a nobody. Uh, but, you know, with Ohio State playing Penn State and beating them soundly, had it not been for a couple untimely fumbles, the one at the goal line and then the one that was not a fumble, uh, the one where Justin Fields' knee was down and somehow the referees decided that it was still a fumble, which that, that one get you, if you want to hear someone yell, you should have heard me and my wife that day. We were going ape <laughs> uh, when that fumble was called a fumble and not reversed. Um, so, no, you were right, Drew. They handled business. Uh, LSU, I mean, LSU – didn't play anybody of consequence. Uh, they come off back-to-back games where, you know, yes, they did beat a very good Alabama team, but then, you know, they played Mississippi. Uh, they they did win 58-37, but they let up 37 points to Ole Miss. And they then they just played Arkansas this past week. And, it, and again, they did win handedly, but, again, it was Arkansas. So the first thing everybody down here in the South wants to say is Ohio State didn't play anybody. And I always shoot right back and say, who the hell does SEC play? You've got two or three good teams every year, but guess what? So does the Big Ten. And then they want to fall back on, well, SEC Southern Speed. Yeah, that is such a farce. The Big Ten, back in the day, the Big Ten was, you know, three yards and a pile of dust. But that is no more specifically with Ohio State. I put Ohio State on the level speed-wise with anybody in the country and I challenge anybody in the country to challenge me on that claim because they are one of the fastest teams and you are right Drew what you said they are playing the most complete all-around football right now in college football offense defense special teams doesn't matter number one team in the country well deserved southern speed Ohio State half the people they recruit are from down south so if you're talking about southern speed Ohio State's got that and all the faster kids from up north so I think the Buckeyes are, you know, extremely well balanced and in as good of a spot of anybody to win the national championship the year, this year. I think the college football playoff committee got it right this time by having the Buckeyes number one. And even if they didn't have them number one this week, if we show up and beat that team up north like we were supposed to and LSU, you know, gets to play another eh game, I would imagine we would have gotten moved up to number one then. And then when LSU gets to play an actual SEC opponent, in the championship, and we get to take on whoever it is that's representing the other side for the Big Ten, assuming all goes well, I would imagine we would still be ahead of LSU just because the number of quality wins that we have. And I think that's really important, and I hate to just immediately jump to what the college football playoff you know, committee needs to look at and, and, and the decisions that go into play, but being number one this year in particular, I think is extremely, extremely important because Two versus three are going to be a lot. The second and third best team are going to be a heck of a lot better in my mind than the fourth place team. And why I say that, and maybe I talked crap on Clemson earlier this year. They do play nobody. It's absolutely true. But they are destroying these bad teams. And I do think that they're probably the Wait, second or third. What do you mean they play nobody? They're playing the the, uh, <laughs> the Deacons, the the, uh, the Demon Deacons Wake this Force. weekend. I thought they... <laughs> what, what, what high school is that again? I'm sorry. I... What JUCO are they playing again? Their their schedule is is a is a joke, but it's still you know they're a really good team. They have so much talent and speed, and so that's fine. I would rather not play them or LSU. I would rather be holding on to the number one spot and facing a 
what we all expect to be probably a fourth, you know, sorry, a second SEC team in the fourth spot, whether that's Bama, whether that's Georgia. I mean, I don't know if Utah has a chance of making it in there. We'll see. Well, um, I mean, if, if, I don't if think Auburn Utah's wins, got a I would be surprised all. if they tried moving them into the top four. A five-loss Auburn team has a chance to make it in with ESPN <laughs> and, and the SEC yeah, well, and the connections they do. When you look and see how this all shakes out, uh, the Buckeyes have Michigan this weekend, which is not going to be an easy game. It's one, it's the rivalry game, but two, they are ranked. And needless to say, this and I hate saying, I hate admitting it, but Michigan's not a bad squad. And then we have the Big Ten championship, and it's more than likely going to be Minnesota. It could yep. be Wisconsin again, but it's more than likely going to be Minnesota. LSU finishes out. They've got Texas A&M this weekend. Then they they uh, play uh, Georgia in the SEC championship. So they only have one big game left on their schedule. So between LSU and Ohio State, their schedules pretty much match up. You can kind of say Ohio State, you know, will be challenged this weekend, but when you look at their schedules, they they you can go out on a limb and say they match. Clemson, they have Wake Forest this weekend and South Carolina next weekend. So again, Drew uh, Brandon, to your point, they have played nobody. ACC real barn burners there, this. man. I mean, they ACC has been extremely weak this year. Extremely weak. You like talk you mentioned seven football in high school is what it's yeah. like this year. The ACC. You mentioned Utah, and there's not a chance in hell that Utah is going to make the playoff. And I hate saying that for all you Utah Utes out there, but again, what the whole Utah, fifteen of them? Yeah, you play <laughs> Colorado. You play Colorado. That's your last game of the year before the the uh, the championship round. Oklahoma, though, that's the one to watch. Yeah, I think Oklahoma's the one that's going to sneak into that four spot, and here's why. They play Oklahoma State this weekend. They're ranked 21st. Right. But then the one that could push them into the playoff is Baylor. Oklahoma goes into Baylor and beats Baylor. Oklahoma could go in into that four spot. Adversely, if Baylor beats Oklahoma and handles their business, no Baylor way is Baylor. No spot. way. No way in heck is Baylor making it. Oklahoma has a chance. I see zero, zero chance in which Baylor makes it in. They lose at their home field, giving up a what? What seemed like 50-point lead to Oklahoma. There's no respect that the committee should give them for that. Yeah, I understand it's a loss against a good was, opponent. But are you kidding me? And it, it was only by a field goal, though. It's 34-31. So that would be, if we're going to use the SEC logic here, that would be what we call a good loss. And again, they play Kansas this weekend and they finish up against Oklahoma. So if Baylor takes care of business and beats a ranked, a higher ranked Oklahoma team, you could make a case for a one loss Baylor to jump over a non SEC champion uh, Alabama. I mean, that's just my, I, I honest to goodness, I think that this is the year that the Big 12 finally gets a representative in the, the, football playoff other than Oklahoma and Oklahoma's yeah, been in the past Oklahoma's been in a few years so they, they've, yeah, they've I, had representatives it's just definitely been nobody outside of Oklahoma I was, everybody thought uh, it was going to be Texas and boy could they not be any more wrong what a total joke yeah, they have I, been this year that's compared my to the bad. expectations that thinking, were played out that's my bad I was thinking Pac-12 uh I was you know ever since they, all the conferences changed all their damn numbers I keep <laughs> I was thinking Pac-12, but I knew I meant uh, the Big 12. So Not a problem at all. Drew, I want to turn it over to you, talking yeah. about specifically the Ohio State Buckeye game versus the Penn State Nittany Lions. 
what jumped out to you? What stood out to you? What, what are your takeaways from the game? What do you think will carry forward into next week? And then we'll set it up for hate week and talk about that team up north. Uh, besides Chase Young, obviously. Um, you mean the just... predator? <laughs> that, that kid is so disruptive. Um, it, it was kind of funny this past Sunday. Um, try to stay on topic here, but this past Sunday, you know, the, the, uh, the Bengals and Steelers were playing and I was, you know, for more than one reason, pulling for the Bengals to win that game, not only because it helps us, but because we need the Bengals to start winning games so that Chase Young doesn't end up uh, in Cincinnati because That'd I don't be want to have that. Um, be frustrating. Besides him, I think the, the, the thing that stood out the most um, was how well uh, our, our two lines played the the defensive line was was pretty disruptive uh, alongside Chase Young and our offensive line just continued I mean besides you know um I can't even think of that kid's name uh for Penn State but he's projected as like a, a like a top 10 pick possibly. guy with 13 last names it seemed like on yeah the, when they were talking about it yeah I know who you're talking yeah, about the uh, offensive line had a fantastic push they've had a Great push all freaking year. It's been night and day difference versus last year, which is why Dobbins is running with so much more success, confidence. His yards per carry are way up. His yards after contact are up because when people are hitting him, he's at full speed now versus last year when he was getting hit in the backfield and expected to carry people a couple of yards. Right. And, and you know, that is what is going to carry them, um, their run game. But Justin Fields is able to throw the ball just as well. The receivers, I mean, Benjamin Victor made so many big-time in-the-air catches to kind of save some of those passes. And, I mean, I think I think Justin Fields is co- uh, like confident enough in him to throw those sometimes. Yeah, but he's, where also only he can get a, them. he's also had a couple really bad drops. Right. Uh, he had a That's few of those. That's what they say about State. Victor. No, I, and I think it's just because of his youth, and I think he's still a maturing player. Uh, right. which sounds ridiculous to say a maturing player in college because they're all maturing. But I think he's still very raw. Uh, right. Alave, he Alave is the stud. So yeah, he's hearing the stud just, to me on that. Hearing Gus Johnson call out Chris Olave's <laughs> name in the end zone is one of the purest <laughs> joys that I have in my life. And, and, you know, one name I think we need to watch the next, you know, the next two weeks and then into the playoff Um and he, he's starting he's starting to you know make some noise. Garrett Wilson is going oh, okay, to be good. the next big time receiver at Ohio State. I've watched some of the stuff from, from him in high school, some of the catches he's made. The kid is ready to go whenever his time comes, and I think that might be the next couple of weeks. Um I was praying you weren't gonna say Austin Mack. after last year's Penn State game where he dropped everything that was hitting him directly in the chest and square in the hands, I've been kind of turned off by him. But, yeah, Garrett Wilson, holy crap. Boy, I'm glad he plays for my team. Right, absolutely. So it's going to be a fun game Saturday. I expect it's only an eight-and-a-half-point line right now. Um, I fully expect – Ohio State. I think that game will be close, maybe into the second half. But I, I fully expect them to pull away with that running game. They're going to tire them out. Um, well, the depth. I mean, yeah, the Ohio just, State's depth is what's going to kill them. Right. Um, you know, Michigan's. They've got some. 
some decent players, but the depth is yeah, the depth is definitely the difference. Um, you know, you get past those first couple guys for them, and it starts getting tough. And Ohio State starts pulling guys from three deep in their depth chart, and they're making plays out on the field. So uh, that's that's going to be the thing to watch. I, I fully expect us to win pretty handedly. Um, I think it'll be at least a two two score game. Uh, even playing up there, so I, I think it's. Wait. I agree with you. I, I actually see a little bit more of a win. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be like a 17 point spread for the Buckeyes that they're going to win by. Uh, it is the big house. Pardon? Give me your score. Give me, you and Drew. Give me a score. Right. I want to know what the actual score is. Is this because yep. we're grinding out a 17 point win with low points, or are we just throwing points up on the board? No, I, I'm I'm thinking it's going to be like Buckeyes 34, Michigan 17. I mean, I, I, look, I'm going to give Michigan credit. They are. I mean, Harbaugh does have them going in the right direction, but they are not elite like the Buckeyes are right now, and. The Buckeyes, I think th- there's just something special going on right now in Columbus. And Buckeye fans see it. I don't know if national fans see it just yet. I know SEC fans are just ignorant to the fact that the Buckeyes are that <laughs> good this year. But they really are. I just don't see Michigan being able to hang. I wouldn't be surprised if in the first quarter Michigan comes out and smacks us in the chin and maybe they take a 10 nothing lead in the first quarter. But I don't see that lasting. Again, Ohio State's depth, and I, I just the not only the depth, but just the talent, top to bottom. Uh, this will be one of those rare games that Justin Fields does play all four quarters. That, let's just put it that way. Fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, I think you know jumping on that score prediction. I think it'll be. I think it might be like a a seventeen to seven game at halftime, and I think Ohio State pulls away. Um, I don't see Michigan being able to score on us, so I don't think they're going to really start scoring points until we start, um, you know, maybe pulling some of those starters. So I'm going to go with, um, let's go 42 to 21. And I think Michigan scores 14 of those late as just kind of scrub time touchdowns. Are we only allowed to pick scores in which the opposing team has exactly half as many points as the winning team? 17-34, So does that mean I have to pick 66-33 or something like that? Yeah, I mean. I like easy math. Yeah, I I don't know. I I really don't know how to feel about this game because in my head, I, I feel like we're you know, night and day better than this team. But then in years past where I feel like we're night and day better than better than uh, that team up north when we play, it's it ends up being closer than what I would like it to be and what I thought it would be just because, you know, this is hell week. This is rivalry week. Things are totally different and we're playing at the big house. So things are going to be a little bit different than I think what a lot of us are expecting um, as Ohio State fans. But I do believe we win. I'm interested to see what the weather is like and how that will affect the game. Because personally, I believe while bad weather didn't necessarily kill the Buckeyes against Wisconsin and we still ended up winning pretty handedly, I truly believe that Ohio State is you know best when they can do whatever they want with the entire arsenal. Even though I believe we have a much better run game than Michigan does, if weather permitting, we have some, you know, bad weather that would you know usually lead to more runs I, I i would rather just have a wide open game plan and be able to do whatever you want and feel 
like we can attempt anything at any time. And I think that's when we're at our most dangerous. And that's when I would feel best for us beating Michigan as much as we can. So the weather, I think, might play an interesting factor. We'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. But I'll take Ohio State over Michigan. Let's do. Yeah, 42-21. I hate to be that guy, but Drew, I I like your number, I like it a lot. So you guys are a lot more optimistic than I am. Uh, I just know that this game can get crazy. I mean, last year, uh, 62-39, which was one of my most favorite memories of this rivalry. But do you guys realize since 2000, Michigan's only won three of these games? Three (laughs) since 2000. We have won the last seven. I do think they're going to make it eight. Uh, I don't think Harbaugh's crew is going to, ha- you know, has it just yet. Uh, Shea Patterson doesn't do anything for me, even though he has been playing so much better since the start of the season. Um, it's going to be a fun week, guys. I mean, uh, I grew up with this rivalry. Uh, it, it it means a lot to me. Uh, never really cared for Michigan fan at all. Uh, and it's not the team a lot. It's more so the fans. Than it is the team. It's funny how that goes. Uh, usually, don't hate the teams as much as you hate the fans when you sit down and you really think about what you hate about a professional sports team. The right. first number one thing, or not even professional sports, but college sports as well. It's always the fans. Michigan fans drive me flipping bonkers. I hate them. I hate them. I'm gonna say a really unpopular opinion here, but Michigan fans are literally just like Ohio State fans. We are absolutely crazy about our teams. We absolutely resent each other. And if either one of us was wearing each other's gear and clothing and, you know, just acted like we both liked the same teams, we'd we'd fit in perfectly. We're very ignorant fan bases, and that's the God's honest truth. I love well, Ohio State fans. I not... love Buckeye fans totally through and through. But we are collectively as a group between Ohio State and Michigan, two of the most annoying fan bases in all of you know, in all of sports, are, and that's and because actually, we're so big and so successful. Well, I was actually going to comment that the funny thing is, is that Ohio State in the South is viewed very negatively. But it's funny when I look at the SEC teams, like Alabama fan, they their fan base and Ohio State's fan base. The only difference is one has a Southern twang. Uh, I mean, it's <laughs> it really is they they the fan bases. You're right. They're 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 very close. Uh, Georgia fans. Uh, they are a lot of sidewalk alum. Uh, half of them had never stepped foot in Athens, Georgia. Let's just put it that way. Uh, you know, they, they grew up watching football on Saturdays, you know, whereas up us up in Ohio, you know, in, in our region, Northeast Ohio is football on Saturdays, football on Sundays. And actually we watch football on Fridays too. Uh, but yeah, the, the, this rivalry game, whoa, uh, what whoa, is your, whoa, hold on, hold on here. We got some action throughout the week. You're not sitting down and watching any of the action. I got <laughs> football seven no. days a week, man. Hell seven days a no. week. Hell no. I live, Ever since they... I live for the action, man. Dustin Fox does a fantastic job all day, all night. I'm all matching. I, yeah, but you know what? I, I I prefer my football over the weekends. Every time it's on during the week, including the NFL on Thursdays, it drives me nuts. I can't watch it. I hate. My only time I ever watch Thursday football is when the Browns are on. Uh, but what I was gonna say, guys, is looking back on your history with the Ohio State Michigan rivalry, what is your favorite moment from Hate Week? Drew, I'll let you take the lead on this. I've got a I've got a pretty good one. I'd like to like to save for a second, but I'll let you go ahead. Um, I think 
I don't know that it's necessarily a moment, but um, it's kind of like one of those funny statistics. Um, I know you both remember Chad Henney and Mike Hart. Both yes. went on to play. I believe Chad Henney went on to play for a couple of years, and Mike Hart might have as well. Um, but the funniest thing, they were both – Mike Hart was a pretty good running back, and Chad Henney wasn't bad for himself either. They both went 0-4 against Ohio State. And I just think that's absolutely hilarious considering as much as they did for that that program, neither of them got, like, the most important win of their entire season in four years. Like, I can't even imagine that. That would just completely suck. Now, imagine being Harbaugh and not being able to do it for seven years. <laughs> the one thing you're brought in to do, incredible. Um what year and you guys I believe it's 2016. Please feel free to correct me if I'm if I'm wrong here. Curtis Samuel sprints into the end zone and throws his hands up in the air in double overtime at home in Columbus. Was that 2016? Yes. I'm going to say yes. I don't remember that one as clearly as you seem to do, but uh I, I remember the game, yeah. I, I want to so say, yeah, 20, I think it was 2016. I believe it was 2016 as well, and I'm sure all the Ohio State fan uh, pages are tweeting out, you know, uh, uh, replays of that game and, and that, that moment that he had going into the end zone and just the, the fans and everything. That was incredible. I was actually in Columbus for the game. I wasn't at the game. Um, the part that makes the memory so, I don't know, fun and near and dear to my heart is I'm crammed into – Maybe 40 people crammed into a a small little apartment in Columbus right off of one of the uh, right off of High Street. Uh, I didn't know anybody that was there other than one or two people. Uh, You know, you don't know any of these people when you go to these kinds of things. You just kind of show up and people have a good time because you're celebrating the Buckeyes. And that's all you need to know about, you know, the people that are there in order to have a good time. And we are crammed in like sardines to this apartment watching on a TV that continually, continually keeps lagging and and buffering and you know we're watching this on the edge of our seats and every five seconds it feels like we're getting a buffer well it finally started to kick in and and the tv was starting to act you know how it should game is playing live it's not buffering at the you know and this is by the time this starts happening it's first or second overtime and we are all just stuffed in here like sardines and Everybody is watching on a super small TV as Curtis Samuel takes the handoff, runs to the left, cuts back to the right, and uh, heads right up the middle, hands in the air as he crosses through the uh, end zone, and we lost our shit uh, as fast <laughs> as you could possibly describe it. The door just slams open as we sprint outside and just start running around like a bunch of freaking lunatics. I mean – being a sports fan is so weird sometimes. A team of people who we probably have never actually met before that we don't know much about outside of, you know, the things that we hear on the field or from reporters off the field. And yet we are as passionate and just dumbfounded when they win important games as we are. And it's just very fun and crazy to think about. And we literally didn't have brains. We were just running around like chickens with their heads cut off and it was one of the most pure joyous moments in my life and that is my favorite that team up north rivalry week story and mine has got to be 2006 when ohio state ranked number one took on the number two wolverines 
the only lead Michigan had in that whole game was in the first quarter where they were up 7 nothing. Uh, then Ohio State tied it up, and they never looked back. However, that game got so tight. The final score was 42-39. to 39. Uh, And I just remember that we went up. Uh, it was super close. It was like 28-24, 28-21, something like that. Uh, and Antonio Pittman took off for this huge, long run. Uh, I went ape. You were talking about you know fans going ape. I went ape on that Antonio Pittman run. He was one of my favorite players back, uh, you know, oh my goodness, that's 13 years ago now. It's unbelievable to think. Uh, it wasn't even then, 10 years old when that happened. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, and then Mike Hart, Mike Hart had a two-run, uh, two-yard touchdown. I'm looking back at some of the stats. Got the game to 35-31. Rabisky scored on a touchdown pass from Troy Smith, making it 42-31. And oh, then Tyler Eckert had a 16-yard uh, touchdown reception back from Chad Henney making it 42 to 39. They had an ensuing uh, onside kick. And I do remember the onside kick clearly because I'm sitting there crossing my fingers. Me and my wife were just, we're nervous wreck. We're like, oh my God, we're going to blow this game. We're going to blow this game. Michigan's going to go to the championship and we're not going to be able to go in. And they kicked the ball right to Ted Ginn. Ted Ginn wraps it up. Time expires and we all go ape. We know we're going to the bowl. Uh, we're going to the championship game. Uh, we did. Uh, we ended up playing the Florida Gators that year, and the Gators Tough. blew Tough. our doors off because uh, yeah. that was Trestle Ball, um, and Trestle uh, Trestle Ball did not work at the time uh, against the SEC, and that's where a lot of the SEC hype came from. Those two consecutive years that we played the Gators, and the Gators, you know, pretty much steamrolled us, mm-hmm. uh, and that's where a lot of this lure about the SEC speed and power and all that came. Uh, came from and uh, really what it was it's, it has nothing to do with speed and power it just had to do with the SEC was the first to really move to the spread you know system and RPOs and all that kind of stuff and the Buckeyes were still playing you know hard-nosed football, uh, football before from the stone the, ages with trestle no I was gonna say before the uh, the wussification <laughs> of football but you know hey teach hey, speaking of speed um, I don't know if either of you can answer this question talking about Ted Ginn um in that game is can you guys think of anyone else that played in that that game that year that is still in the nfl playing right now uh besides Ooh, on, on, on the buckeyes team either either team wow wow so is it a wow. florida gator no, he's talking about Michigan, Ohio State. Yeah, Michigan, oh, Ohio okay. State. I thought you were talking about. The, sorry, I thought you were talking wow. about the Florida game. I, I don't know if Florida would have anybody either. Like, well, is Tyler is Chad? Is Chad Henney still backup? I don't believe so. I haven't heard no his way. name in a while. Tyler Eifert's still in the league, even though he's playing off of like an absolute inch of a leg with all the surgeries and damage he's done to that, but I'm pretty sure he's still in the league. Chad Henney actually is a backup with the Chiefs. Oh, my God. So he's still in. But, yeah, you think about that. That's 13 years ago. Yeah, I mean, that's there's a lot of players that are no longer in the NFL. That's crazy to think about. And, And I know he got labeled, you know, as high as he went, he got labeled a bust, but, like, Sure, he went he went pretty high, and he hasn't had the the career that many thought he would have. But for 13 years now, he's made money in the NFL, and he's he, not he been and Colt McCoy, right? I mean, he's not had a crazy career, but he's he's hitting home runs here and there, and he's still able to. 
to show off some of that speed that he had when he was younger. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's a good that's stat. A I, d- I didn't know that's that. A- yeah, that is a good one. That is a good one, and that makes me think it is now time to turn to our beloved Brownies, who <laughs> are on a three-game win streak. <laughs> what are you guys thinking right now as the Browns are fighting back this week to get to 500 against the Schittsburg Steelers? It's about to be four. It's about to be four in a row. Well, now that uh, Mason Rudolph finally got his <clears throat> suspension, uh, where Tomlin <laughs> oh, benched his ass go. today, uh, you know, I, honest to goodness, look, the only thing that scares me about Pittsburgh is their defense because you, you give them credit. Their defense is still very, very good. Right. Minka Fitzpatrick is the he one is that you have to so worry about. so freaking good, man. I know. Holy crap. It's, how is why it the that? heck did they tr- – why the heck – did the Dolphins trade him away? So well, much talent, so much tanking. speed. They're really the bad. Dolphins are tanking, so is, you, it makes sense on the Dolphins. They got a first-round draft pick. Trying to collect young talent. If that isn't the definition of young talent, then I don't know what the heck tanking has ever been about. Well, You're trading a certified pro bowler away for the opportunity to draft a potential good player. Well, In who what cares world does the that Dolphins, make sense? We're talking Steelers and Browns. Okay. Point being, <laughs> he's the guy that plays in the Steelers that we're going to have to play, and he's really good. I, so it factors he, in. Yeah, he is very good. He's an impact player. He's the only one on the Steelers that uh, really scares me. And it's, But to your point where you were talking, or where I thought you were going with it, Brandon, was how do the Steelers always end up with these guys? Troy Palomalu, James Harrison. Now Minka Fitzpatrick, they always seem to have these super high motor. I know. Oh, yeah. And, and T.J. Watt's brother. What's uh, C.J., right? Yeah. T.J. is or J. J. the player Watt. that plays. Yeah, yeah. I, J.J. is the one J. that plays J. J. the Texans. T.J. Yeah. Frick, he's a Watt's brother. T.J. running out of acronyms. <laughs> well, any, but they do. They, they Their defense is phenomenal. Uh, so that's the only thing that worries me. But, again, if, if they play like – they did in the last game they're not going to be able to stop us and our defense yes we're going to be missing miles garrett but we're getting ogan joby back so you know we've got a little bit of uh solidification on the front line although the browns did make a very curious move today with the release of deborah lawrence which didn't like that i yeah and there's got there's something really strange i heard it all day and there's no other explanation that other than something he must have done something wrong has to there are I, so many other players on this roster that are so lower level in terms of talent that could have been easily taken off just in order yeah, to make room for Ogan Joby to come back. You're right. I did. I did read through a few people that he had. You know, as far as his grade this year, he was one of the worst in the entire league. Um, Devereaux. Yeah. So I understand it there, but like, and and surprisingly chad thomas has actually played pretty decent for for us um i he think he was the highest got, rated defensive player yes, he was. according to pro football focus last week for the uh the browns on defense if i am correct you are correct and if you would have told me that at any point during this offseason i would have laughed at you because chad thomas barely played last year um but you know when when uh when he's needed he's stepped up and i give him props for that so uh we'll see if he can continue that we need 
regardless, we need Vernon to to get his butt back on the field. Absolutely. Um, Sheldon Richardson. I don't know if either of you two saw this, but I believe intercepting uh, the. Did, <laughs> uh, did you see that? That was Deborah that? Lawrence, wasn't it? No, no, it was not. It was incorrectly. So what we're talking uh, okay. about here, guys, is Sheldon Richardson on the uh, drive that the uh, on the drive that the Dolphins were trying to set up a field goal. I think it was before halftime, was it? Drew, do you remember the timing behind that? Uh, they were driving down the field trying to set up a, a field goal before halftime, and they went they went to spike the ball because they had no timeouts left. Well, Sheldon Richardson dove through the between the legs of the center or, or right to the right of the center and tried intercepting <laughs> the spiked the spiked ball in order to down it at the clock, and he got his hand pretty close. But I like that ingenuity is what this team needs. But yeah, right. that's that was Sheldon Richardson that tried doing that. Sorry for taking the mic. Uh, from, no, you're yeah. good. Um, I I did see today that I think it was either a stretch of games or up until this point this year, um, Aaron Donald is the only player rated higher than him as a defensive lineman in all of football. Um, so that kind of tells you what kind of year he's having because Aaron Donald, no matter what kind of year he has, is always Aaron Donald. Um, just kind of like how J.J. Watt was a few years ago before all these injuries. He's kind of a bit more in... sustainable J.J. Watt. Right. Um, so that's interesting. And I believe that Sheldon Richardson's stat was over a four or five game timeline yeah. is what you were referring yep, to. Yeah, I think, I think that's correct. So he's been a big help. We're going to need some other guys to step up because um, the pass rush was pretty awful on Sunday. Um, and I don't... I don't expect it to be as bad Sunday. We'll get some guys back. Hopefully Vernon gets his butt back on the field um, and can help us out because Vernon was having a pretty good year um, until he got hurt. So, you know, maybe if he can jump back in and, and pick up where he left off and uh, get some other guys to step up, we uh, we can help each other out because our linebackers are playing pretty well. Schobert's having an outstanding year, especially a really good two or three game stretch here. Uh, we're getting to see a little bit more more of of talky talky playing uh, him and, uh Darius Taylor are kind of splitting those snaps um Mac Wilson starting to to kind of get into his groove or um, starting to that boy's been working Denzel Ward uh is is starting to get back into his his old self too if we could get you know greedy to step up across from him and then um you know Randall, I, I would like to actually argue that I think Greedy and Denzel Ward are two of the most improved players on defense. I've actually seen a lot of wrap up tackles. Right. Uh, they've actually they've gone back to form tackling, which the biggest crack on both players in college were they couldn't tackle. Right. Uh, both players have seen to make this concerted effort to become great tacklers, and I've seen that quite a bit since they both came back onto the field. And that's such a, such a great point. I you know. A lot last year, you just kind of expected those those missed tackles. So I guess coming into this year, it's just kind of like PTSD. So, you know, somebody catches the ball, you know, one of those guys are out in the flats with them, and you're just expecting them to miss that. And so, you know, these guys wrap up and take them down. You're like, oh, like nice, nice tackle. And then you're like, no, that's what that's what they should be doing regardless. Like, and a lot of them, you know, they're one-on-one plays where, you know, they get past them they're picking up some chunk yardage. So um, I've been pretty impressed with, you know, his tackling as, as far as that goes um, for and a lot. 
What did what about Joe Schobert? Two weeks in a row, uh, two, two interceptions, two weeks in a row. So this is the Brandon's part where he likes to say the weekly I told you so. This is now two consecutive weeks in a row. Gentlemen, I freaking told you so. Hey. Well, hey, do you know little uh tidbit here? This goes way before both of your birthdays, so I don't expect you to remember this, but this is the first time in thirty years the browns have been favored in pittsburgh the first time (laughs) in 30 years the browns have been favored in pittsburgh wow and it would be the first time in and maybe you guys have the stat more narrowed down my i I think in my lifetime that the browns have or sorry maybe 1999 this would be the first time since 1999 if the browns win that they would have swept the series against pittsburgh Is, is that a stat that sounds correct yeah, that is unbelievable when you think about it. Yes, you are correct. That is sad and pathetic while also <laughs> making me very excited for this weekend because we've got some really good football games lined up if you're a, a Buckeye and a Browns fan. But I, I'd like to talk about the uh, the performance from the Miami Dolphins game. Now, I know everything kind of comes with an asterisk when you're going against a team that is being you know pointed at where people are saying this team is tanking. But... I think there's a lot of good good things to point at, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Holy crap, is Jarvis Landry in a groove right now, guys. He had 10 catches for 148 yards, two touchdowns. It's the first time since Odell has joined the team that both Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. have been able to catch a touchdown in the same game. And frankly, with those two beating our leading receivers— uh, 16 catches between the two of them, well over 200 yards, and all three of our touchdowns. Is there anything to really complain about in the passing game that you guys saw? No, actually, my favorite part of the whole game uh, actually came from Jarvis Landry, and I don't know if you saw it, but it was that photograph where he did that little dog walk up to the cameraman. <laughs> if you have not seen the photograph, do yourself a favor favor, and Google Jarvis Landry touchdown Miami Dolphins, and you'll see this photograph. It's fantastic. I love the swagger that he's bringing uh, to, to the team. He's leading by example and by performance. Um, you can see as well that Odell is like really loving having Jarvis as his teammate again. And even though Odell's numbers are down, he's only one catch shy of Jarvis. And he's only, like with as far as yards, he's only like 16, 17 yards less than Jarvis. So they're, they're both getting their catches. Um, just Jarvis has had him in the red zone. That That's about the only difference that you can say. But uh, this has been fun. And now that Baker's starting to flip the switch and he's starting to hit his groove, he went, I think it was 159 passes without an interception up until that pass that he threw a little bit behind Odell and Odell tipped up and it was intercepted. Yeah, that 159 was some bad passes. I know, but uh, well, it was a terrible pass. It was a terrible pass. pass. It was go back and watch it. He threw way behind Odell. Even Odell Magic Hands Beckham couldn't catch that ball. That tells you how bad the throw was. Look, Baker's capable of making bad Odell. Let's pump the brakes on Mr. Magic Hands because I have seen an incredible amount of drops this year from Odell compared to what I feel like I've been used to. A lot of that probably goes to the fact. Are they drops uh, or are they bad yes, that, by Baker? Yes, that throw I don't consider a drop. I'm talking about some of the ones where he's already too concerned about what's up field. Odell is a, a an absolute rich, rich, rich man's Benjamin Victor because sometimes he is 
always concerned about making the big catch, and he's so good at it. I said a triple triple rich man's Benjamin Victor. The point that I'm trying to make is that Odell always has a great focus on the ball when it is this insanely difficult catch, just as we previously said in this podcast about Benjamin Victor. But sometimes the easier ones get away from him. That take by Brandon was a swing and a miss. <laughs> I said triple <laughs> rich man. And the point, the point is to show that Odell is really focused on really insane catches, but is too worried about getting upfield sometimes, I'm not saying uh, all the time, sometimes on passes that are see, easy to catch. See, and this is where I'd argue, and I know I brought this up last week, is I think it is is obvious that Baker and Odell are not on the same page. Either Odell's running the wrong routes and Baker's expecting him to be in a spot where he's putting the ball or vice versa and Baker's throwing the wrong pass pattern, which I actually don't think is the issue. I think Odell has a tendency to to break off his routes too early or too late. uh, And and him and Baker aren't in sync. And I think a lot of that just has has been because they weren't playing together. They didn't play in the preseason together. But if you've watched over the last five, six weeks – it's gotten so much better. Those first five or six games were really rough to watch. But if you've watched over the last month and some change, there has been a drastic change in Baker and Odell's performance. They're targeting uh, Odell a lot more, uh, and they're just they're just off. If you see some of these passes and some of the routes, some of them are just off. And I think that's going to come. I think what you're going to see is you give them a whole offseason together where the the hype train can slow down, and I think you're going to see a lot of that dissipate, disappear. Right. I agree. Um, Baker I wanna... Mayfield was fourth – or sorry, fifth in total QBR over the last four or five weeks. I mean, that's a, a very good stat when you compare it to how much we were complaining well, yeah. about him uh, early on in the season. 159 passes without a turnover is pretty damn good. Uh, it's no, nothing to sneeze at, and for the first time all season – He's got more touchdowns than interceptions, so he's got it pointing. His arrow is definitely pointing upwards, and if you look at the uh, the stat line, he's on pace. He could hit the 4,000-yard mark again this year. Absolutely. Um, I want to take this and, and take it. Uh, touching on Baker, um, I want to see, you know, how knowledgeable you two are. So – Let's t- uh, rewind to last year. Um, the the Chiefs come out and have such a f- fantastic start to the year. Uh, Kareem Hunt stuff goes down and he he gets uh, suspended and you know whatnot with with all that situation. Um, the Chiefs offense at that point kind of starts going you know a little downhill w- without him. The the running backs that filled in just weren't weren't quite the same. Um, have you guys noticed that that Baker's kind of uptick in production has started going up as soon as Kareem Hunt touched the field uh, this year? I don't yeah. think that's the case at all. I think it, I think it's just coincidental because Kareem Hunt's only been back for what this will be his second, third game this week. Yeah, he had an eight-game suspension, so the ninth game of the year was his first game of the year. Okay, so this correctly. this week will be his third game back, if I'm not mistaken, if unless I'm counting wrong. But Baker's actually been trending. Do the math, guys. It's been the five, last five six weeks. So he's been trending upward. 
adding Kareem Hunt, though, has opened up things tremendously for the offense. And credit Freddie Kitchens, who was in my doghouse. I was still pissed at him last week. He's starting to come out of the doghouse. I'm going to let him sleep on the couch, maybe. Uh, You know, he's actually done a commendable job of keeping the touches between Hunt and Chubb at the level they need to be, and he's not ignoring one of the, if not the best back in NFL right now, Nick Chubb. So kudos to Coach Kitchens. Uh, He might finally have figured this stuff out. Absolutely. You know who who goes completely unnoticed in all of this? Any guesses, guys, at who are maybe most underappreciated individual that's a part of this franchise is? Our carousel at tight end? No, no. Swagger Jr., baby. 3-0 <laughs> oh since the dog has led the team out. I'm uh, talking 3-0. and oh. This guy hasn't brought a loss to Cleveland since he has stepped out onto the field. <laughs> a complete asset to this organization and franchise. One that I'm very excited and proud to call my dog. 3-0. Swagger might Jr., be, baby. That might be the hottest stinking pile of hot take <laughs> since Swagger Jr. dropped a deuce in the Northwest end zone. Hey, he was just shitting on Schittsburg, baby. <laughs> Leading us to a win. Obviously, I'm completely kidding, but kind of funny. Swagger Jr., 3-0. and Swagger Sr., not a very good record in his lifetime. Swagger Jr., better than Swagger Sr., I like the Browns' chances with Swagger, Swagger Jr. on our sidelines. Speaking of carousel of tight ends, uh, David Njoku, please come back. Has there been a call yet for him on Sunday? Do we know if he's uh, playing? I know he practiced all week. I, I believe he will play. I know that they said he was close last week, and they just wanted another week of practice with him. So, so um, I think that's what's been missing in the red zone is that right. we don't have that red zone guy, and Njoku was that guy. So without Njoku, I think that shows you where a lot of our red zone issues were coming from. Uh, with the addition of Kareem Hunt out of the backfield, that's kind of alleviated the issue a little bit. But Agreed. I think as Clearly, soon as we get him huge. back, yeah, as soon as we get Njoku back, I think our red zone woes are completely gone. Um, so, yes, oh, I'm excited to get him back. Well. I hope he plays. Pump the brakes on that a bit. I don't know about the Wolves being completely gone. I will say I think he is another big target for Baker to throw at. And the better players we have on the field, you know, the better chance I like in the red zone. But let's be honest here. And then the Miami Dolphins game was fantastic in the red zone. I think we scored four out of five times when we were down in the red zone. That's good. Those are good statistics. But I have this fear, and I don't know what it is, but every time we get inside the red zone – Baker stops and please, please excuse the Dolphins game as as a one off. Baker doesn't throw to his top guys. He doesn't throw to the top dogs. He threw to Antonio Callaway so freaking much when he was on the field. He's throwing to Steven Carlson. I mean, guys that half the people in the stands have never even heard of. Kadero Hodges. I mean, these guys are actually getting targets in the red zone and we're putting, you know, very important plays and possessions in the hands of people who I'm not going to say have no business being out there because they've earned their right, but are not nearly as equipped as some of our other players that are, you know, out on the field. And that, you know, that very same snap people I'm talking to are Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, uh, you know, Jarvis Landry, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. And now when Njoku comes back, 
those better be, those guys better start getting more targets. Your quality top end players should receive a large share of the red zone targets because they're your best players for a reason. You go to them when it's crunch time. What's you know what does a star basketball player do? You give them the ball at the end of the game because it's the most important time. The red zone is the most important time for the offense, and we've been leaving it up to Antonio Callaway, Kaderil Hodges, uh, Carlson. I mean, our triple backup tight end now they've done a serviceable job and we appreciate that but i think if this team really wants to get efficient in the red zone it's going to have to be on the backs of our really good players absolutely and i think i think a lot of times last year um you know we got down in these situations and we were just throwing those jump balls up to njoku so i think we're going to see that a lot um the rest of the year uh and and i expect that and i hope that's what they want to do um, cause you know, teams are going to have to defend him whether they want to or not. And, and that might, you know, leave some other matchups, other, other places that will be favorable for the Browns to exploit. Um, so I think that'll be interesting. Not that I, you know, Demetrius Harris and, and Seals Jones have, have done an okay job, but neither of those two, uh, can block for, uh, anything. So, it's really hard to play them in certain packages. Um, not that Njoku can block any better than either of those two, but at least he just uh, is bigger and catches the ball an, better. He's an athletic dude that can can catch the ball and can run run after the catch and and do damage that way. Um, as far as you know, those three go. Um, and I miss the Chief Slam. Yeah, so we need to see a lot yeah. more of yes, those. Yes, yes. I miss the Joel Batonio Chief Slam. That was my oh, favorite yes. one, of course. Now, guys, we're we're rated about an hour here. I wanted to to finish this off with one more question: Where are you guys going to be spending your Thanksgivings at, and where are you going to be watching all this good football at this weekend? Well, hell, we completely forgot it was Thanksgiving, <laughs> didn't we? Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Go ahead, go ahead, Drew. All right. Uh, I go. I have um, basically all my family. My dad's side uh, lives up in the Hartville area. That's um, up close to Canton area. You say so, the Harbaugh area? That's in Michigan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Oh yeah. Uh, but we uh, we we normally have somewhere between you know thirty five and forty five people um, over at my uncle's house. Wow. It's a, it's a lot of turkey. It is a lot of turkey, and, and he does a lot of the cooking. So, you know, props to him. Um, he gets up. Uh, we have a we have a f- famous family roll recipe that he gets up at five or six o'clock. Uh, makes those things from scratch. Um, so, he puts a lot of time and effort into that, and we uh, we pretty uh, really appreciate that. It's a it's a good time every year. So, um, I'm looking forward to uh, to doing that, and then. Um, I get to go home this weekend too, as well. So that'll be a a, a good weekend. Nice, good. nice. Where are the football you, games going to be watched at? Oh well, well for me, Thursday is going to be spent jumping around between uh, my lovely girlfriend's family and my family. Uh, lots of turkey, lots of stuffing. I'm a big stuffing guy, not a big cranberry guy, so that that won't be on the uh, on the menu. But a lot of stuffing, a lot of mashed potatoes. And chocolate silk cream pie, my absolute Ooh, favorite. My grandma nice. makes it the best. It's a nice. staple in my family's household for for Thanksgiving, and it's something that gets me out of bed after Thanksgiving on Wednesday. <laughs> so that'll be my plan for Thursday. Watch some extremely average NFL 
uh, Turkey Bowl games going on just because I don't think there are that many good matchups. And then no, the Bills Cowboys would be a decent game. True. Interesting, but the Bills are also the most inflated wins team in the history of the NFL currently with the uh, schedule they've played, but that's neither here nor there. And then for Saturday, this is something that's been going on. This will be the second year in a row, and this is uh, I absolutely love my girlfriend and her family. They are awesome people. But every Thanksgiving, which is always rivalry week, we go on Saturday to to uh, my girlfriend's family's cabin, and it's in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Well, there's no internet. There's no, oh, no. cable. We survive on two radios that are pumping the Michigan-Ohio State game as loud as humanly possible. There are two really big fans within the family. We each get one radio when everybody's sitting down to eat. We're on opposite sides of the table to provide sound for everybody. And that is me, quite literally, on the edge of my seat for the past two Thanksgivings. That's actually <laughs> kind of cool, to be honest with you. That's, it, a, that's it, actually really cool. It's really cool to get to hear the game called um, over the radio. Of course, I'm a big visual guy. I'd like, I'd like to see it you know, see it on the TV and, and, you know, see what I'm sure Gus and Gus Johnson and Joel Clapp might be, might be doing the broadcast. And I love hearing what they have to say, but the, the radio home of the Buckeyes does a fantastic job. And, and it's kind of a unique tradition that's been going on now. And, you know, it's, we've yielded positive results the past couple of years. So why change it up now? And then Sunday I'll be, uh, I'll be, I'll be finding some TV to keep me nice and comfy as I watch the Browns beat down on the Schittsburg Steelers. That's, that's nice. my week, baby. I'm, I'm very excited. It's going to be a very good couple of days here, spending a lot of time with family, a lot of really good football, and some hatred and hatred and rivalry week. You can't ask for much more. Oh, mine's going to be very low-key, just hanging here with the family. We typically go down to Fort Myers every year, but uh, we haven't been down there in two years. My my sister uh, and her husband actually unfortunately got divorced, so that when they did that, we don't we no longer spend our Thanksgivings in Florida. But it'll be a quiet one here. Uh, watch the games and park my butt on my couch is the best place to watch the games. Uh, looking forward to all of it. Saturday, we are just going to have a blowout. Uh, my daughter's uh, soccer coach, he's from Ohio, he's from Northeast Ohio. Uh, nice. He lives about a mile away from me, so we're going to have him over, and we're going to be bashing the Wolverines, turning around on Sunday, and then kicking the squealers. I know, and then kicking the squealers' butt, so... It's going to be a great thing. So, hey, real quick before we end this up, just real quick fire Thanksgiving type questions for you guys. Just let's have a little fun with this real quick and before we end it all out. But uh, all right. here me, we go. Me, me. Just go ahead and answer when you got the answer. Uh, Mashed white potatoes. Or dark meat? No, white or dark meat? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, take dark meat. Dark meat. Oh, see, I'm, I'm a white meat guy. I got to have the, chi- the uh, turkey breast. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. Now, this ah, is a question. I don't. Uh, totally, <laughs> totally a breast guy. Uh, now here, Drew. I know that you're in, you were from Southern Ohio, so this one you, you might register with you. But are you a stuffing or a dressing guy? Ooh, stuffing. Stuffing? Are you kidding me? Dressings for your salad? What are you? Crazy? Yeah, is that, that what you guys call it in Atlanta? No, down here in the South, dressing is made with cornbread, and it has yep. the ten. It's not stuffing, and it has a tendency to be very soupy, not soup-like, but very uh, just wet. So. It's great. Don't get me wrong. I love it, but it's not what I like to have on Thanksgiving. Right. Brandon, I'm with you. More stuffing, better. 
Uh, I my swear wife, to God, everything gotcha. that is made down south is made to give you diabetes or to clog your arteries. <laughs> but it's it's really damn good. Though, I'm sure too. it is. <laughs> the southern food's great. It's comfort food for a reason. Right up no until way. you die. Cranberry sauce, yes or no? No. No way. Ah, see, I over the years I've changed my mind on that one. That gives a big thumbs up for me now. All right, so same same kind of uh, vein here. Sweet potatoes, yes or no? No. Yes, but prefer regular mashed potatoes. Yes, All right. me as well. Something from Ohio. Green bean casserole. Yeah, that, that's a big no for me. Never yeah, really? have been a fan. Everybody in my family loves it. No, seriously, you're. I'm in the minority. I will take the L. Everyone I in do. my family is obsessed with it. It's one of the first thing that run. It's one of the first dishes that runs out at all of our Thanksgiving meals. Right. And I couldn't be happier of it because I get more food for me <laughs> that I actually like. Right, two, right, right. Two more, two more. Since we're going with the food and Thanksgiving theme here, uh, what is your favorite uh, Thanksgiving dessert? Chocolate silky cream pie, baby. Uh, Buckeye pie. Buckeye pie. Buckeye pie. It sounds yes, like it's peanut butter and chocolate. Is that is that what I'm hearing here? That's correct. It is uh, from the uh, good old city of Ashland. Um, I, oh, my hey. God. Oh, I it's so I, good. I've never had it. Now I need to have it. This sounds amazing. So good. What the hell, Drew? Where's my invite to Thanksgiving, man? You know I'll come chill and eat that eat that dark meat and the Buckeye pie. I'll if send I... my address when we're done recording. <laughs> you better have a damn pie to me on Thursday. Uh, <laughs> uh, my... Mine changes every year, but I'll stick with the standard pumpkin. But sometimes yeah. it's a meringue. But pumpkin's pretty much my favorite when yeah, it comes can't to Thanksgiving. go wrong with pumpkin. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the, the last question I have about Thanksgiving food: uh, What is your favorite Thanksgiving leftover? Stuffing, hands down. Uh, Stuffing is so good hands the second down. day. It's like and, pizza, man. It's almost better the second day. I don't know what yeah, it is, but it's I'll so have to good. agree. I'll have to agree. It was either so, that or like the green beans. I like yeah. green beans. I know. Well, here, I'm going to, guys, I, mean, I got to tell you this. My wife makes these things. We call them stuffing muffins. So Ooh. she doesn't like the stuffing stuffed into the actual bird. I actually do. So what she used to do, she'd make a pan of stuffing and she'd bake the pan of stuffing on the side. And then we'd always, you know, the next day, you know, we'd go and cut the pan and we'd t- cut these big squares and it was always a mess. Well, one year she just, I don't know where she got the idea, but she took a muffin pan and she makes individual stuffing servings in the muffin pan so that when we eat, you just grab a, a stuffing muffin. It's actually stuffing that's been baked by itself kind of thing. And I will tell you what, the next day they are phenomenal. Wow. Yeah, that sounds, that like sounds very awesome. Nice, very nice addition to Black Friday. Well, guys, oh hey. Gosh. It was a lot of fun. Hate week Absolutely. is the greatest week ever. This week, it's just great that it's landing uh, on Thanksgiving week. So uh, I'd like to wish everyone that's listening, Brandon, Drew, happy Thanksgiving. Same. Go Buckeyes. Go Browns. Let's have a great week. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I know it's a really exciting week for football, but uh, make sure to enjoy your time with your family. Thank you. Thank you again, guys. Have a good one. Absolutely. From mine to yours, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, go Buckeyes and go Browns. Woo-hoo!